nothing better than NFL news to start. So, I don't know if you saw the news coming out of Baltimore. There's a couple big announcements. Uh, first, Chick-fil-A is looking to buy the Ravens. Uh, because they figured the Ravens were already accustomed to not doing anything on Sundays. And so, that's right. I picked the safe teams. Second, second, they're going to change the name to the Grizzlies because they're also accustomed to hibernating in the winter. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't gotten that reaction since I made fun of Cleveland. Come on. Uh, well, it is a pleasure to be back here. It feels like it's been like a year since I've talked up here. But no, gr okay, good. That's fine. Get it? Because it's a new year. Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, but since it's a new year, there is nothing better to start the new year with than to go back to the story of Cain and Abel, which is what we are going to do today. Uh, and so in this story, and I say this a lot when I, I read stories, uh, when I read scripture that we've talked about a lot, I said it during Christmas, this is more than a story. So remember that, that Cain, I know that, that we know what he does, and I know that we know how Abel is, and I know that we know this story by heart from when we were kids. They were people. So I want you to remember that and try to put yourself in their position as I read through this. So I want to start with Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 16. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Uh, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Great advice, even for us. So Cain was the first son. Like, not just their first son, he was the first son. So, so you can imagine what that must have been like. Because Adam and Eve had messed up pretty big and gotten kicked out of the garden. So their life was very hard from then. And then they have this baby boy, this son, this, this sign that things might be getting better. So they probably poured a lot of that on him. And they saw him as so special and, and so new, uh, even more so than any new baby. They saw him as that because he was the first sign of new life, the first sign of a son uh, that it'll be okay in the new world. In fact, God had talked to them about the Messiah before, uh, about when he gave them their punishment. He talked a little bit about messianic prophecies. And so they may have even thought that he's special for the world. And so he carried all of that as he's growing. And then Abel's born. And so he has that feeling of being special. He has that feeling of being unique. And then all of a sudden, here's another baby. And he's not so unique anymore. And so he probably had some jealousy and he probably had some anger and he probably felt left out at times because the new baby needed more and, and more attention and, and more food and more whatever. And so he's probably off on his own. And so again, this is not to justify Cain, but to remind you that he is a person who had all of these feelings swirling around inside him. He had all of this going on. And then we go to the, the gift, the sacrifices. And I think when we picture this, we picture him having just like a paltry offering. And then 
Abel having like all the, the, the lamb meat and everything and it looks real good like, like Texas Roadhouse or something. It didn't look like that. It was like a bloody mess probably and that's not British, that's like actual bloody mess. And so, and so we think, picture that, maybe not, it's a little early to picture it too much, but picture it. And then Cain's, because he worked from the ground, was cultivated and probably smelled pretty nice and looked pretty good. It's like a bouquet or, or like a, uh, what are those flowers? I cannot, the red ones. Somebody help me. Poinsettias. Thank you. Like the poinsettias, like it looked really nice. It's a horrible time to not think of a word, but it's what it is. I'm not a flower guy, shockingly. But, although I do appreciate that somebody gave me one of those. Um, and so, it, it looked really good. So, like, if we walked up on this, and we saw this, this just bloody mess, and we saw this wonderful cultivated thing, most of us are going to pick the cultivated thing. Because we're accustomed to looking at the surface, and we're accustomed to seeing what looks good, what smells good, what feels good, even in religion. It's what looks good on the surface, what we can see, what we can touch, what we know looks okay. And yet God saw through to the heart of it, and he saw the heart of each of them in these sacrifices. He saw what their intent was. He saw how much they gave. And that idea of surface versus the inside, that's still something that we struggle with. That's still something that the capital C church can struggle with. Because we can put on this face to the world. We can be okay. We can be happy. We can be Christian. We can be all of these things. And then at heart, it can be like a war. It can be hard. It can be dejected. Like Cain. And we're so scared sometimes to talk about it. And that idea of surface versus inside, it continues to be Cain's problem. Because he's obviously hurt. It says that he's dejected. And we know that it looks like he's dejected because God then says, why are you so dejected? And so he looks like this. And look at all of the options open to him before he does what he does. Spoiler alert. He could have talked to Abel. He could have gone up and yelled and cried and been angry and argued because siblings fight. Just this past week, I was with Beatrice and her older sister, Colette. And Colette is 12 years old and very much a teenager. And Beatrice is three years old and very much a teenager. And so uh, Colette wanted to do something that Beatrice did not want to do. And so Colette is kind of complaining and, you know, being a little iffy about how she's talking about it with Beatrice, forgetting she's three. And Beatrice looks at her and says, nobody's trying to care, Coco. And so I love that phrase. Nobody's trying to care instead of nobody cares. I thought that'd be a laugh. That's fine. And they're fighting. They argue because that's what they do, because they're siblings. So Cain could have gone and fought with Abel. And if he'd done that, maybe he would have gotten to the heart of the issue. And maybe he would have finally figured out what's going on inside of him. Instead of giving in to what he gave in, he could have gone and complained to his parents. He could have gone and talked about how unfair life is. We've all done that. How unfair life is. How, how it's just not fair. That Abel gets everything. And it's always Abel, Abel, Abel. And he could have done that. And maybe if he'd done either of those things, his soul could have been saved. Or, and here's the big one, God literally asked him what's going on. And he could have just turned to God and said, this is what I'm feeling. 
This is what I'm feeling. This is what's in my heart. This is why I'm so upset. This is why I didn't give you everything I could. He could have poured it all out there. Because God gave him an opening. When God said, Cain, why are you so angry? He's not mocking him. He's giving him a chance to talk because he sees what's going to happen. He sees his heart. He sees everything that he's doing. And he sees everything that he's thinking. And yet he still asks him because he knows our hearts. And he knows our minds. And he will give us opportunities to pour that out to him. But he will never force us. He will never force us to do that. It's always our option. It's always our chance. It's always our opportunity. But he gives it to us. And so with Cain, if he just looked to him and seen the love with which this question was asked and seen how amazing it is that the creator of everything cared enough about one person that he actually cared about the answer to that question. But he didn't. And so Cain's anger It may have been from pride. It may have been uh, from jealousy. It may have even been from disappointment. Because he may actually have thought, he may have convinced himself that he did his best. He may have thought, you know, I tried really hard this time. And then he sees Abel get accepted. And he's like, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. And, you know, it's hard to blame yourself sometimes. But regardless, he never talked about it. He never let those feelings out. He never shared what was going on inside. He was just okay on the surface. And so it boiled over and it boiled over and it boiled over. I've got a quote from Mr. Rogers, which shouldn't be a surprise based on my shirt. Confronting our feelings and giving them appropriate expression always takes strength, not weakness. Now, I I know it's a long quote, but I want to reread that part because this is something that we're told the opposite of in society. Confronting our feelings and giving them appropriate expression always takes strength, not weakness. It takes strength to acknowledge our anger and sometimes more strength yet to curb the aggressive urges anger may bring and to channel them into nonviolent elements. It takes strength to face our sadness and to grieve and to let our grief and our anger flow in tears when they need to. It takes strength to talk about our feelings and to reach out for help and comfort when we need it. It takes strength to admit when we need help. You see, so often we are taught to hide our feelings. We are taught to hide our hurts. We're taught to hide our disappointments. And sometimes it's through experience because maybe we've shared them before and somebody has made fun of us or somebody has walked away from us. I know that in my life I have lost people Because, long story short, they're like, you're just too sad. And that obviously helps with the sadness. And sometimes we felt that. Sometimes we thought that we were just sharing with somebody we could trust, and it turned out we weren't, and it hurts. Sometimes our feelings are embarrassing. Sometimes we randomly lose our voice as soon as we start preaching. Sometimes our feelings are embarrassing. Uh, this past week, I had, you know, those uh, microwavable cups of soup, like the, the one shots, like the, they take like two minutes. Well, <clears throat> I was in a hurry, so I heated it for three minutes. Now you're like, well, what do you mean you're in a hurry? I didn't want to keep reheating it and figuring out the heat. And so I put it in the microwave for three minutes. And when I went back, 
half the soup was on the floor of the microwave. And I was pretty sad about that. Now, if I go and share that with Jim, and I'm like, man, my week was just ruined because of this soup. And I think Jim would understand that. But some people would be like, it's soup, dude. Like, don't cry over spilled Campbell's. Come on. And so it can be embarrassing sometimes to really let ourselves out there. And we're taught that it's weak. We're taught that, that even praying sometimes. And I love what Sean pointed out because so often it's thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are just thoughts. And we saw that when the chips are down, how many people truly believe in prayer? And it's important when we feel something, anything, to talk about it, to pray about it especially. But accepting that we have our feelings, accepting that we're not perfect, accepting that there's something going on inside of us. That's how we heal. That's how we move forward. That's how we show our strength. That's how we build our strength. We often look at Cain as a murderer and just kind of stop there. That's the whole story. Cain is a murderer and Abel is a victim. But Cain did not start there. He did not start there. Nobody does. Cain started by saying he was okay when he wasn't. Cain started by just doing the surface level of what it took, by going up to the line of what he had to do to be a follower of God. Making sure he looked the part. And he did that every day, every day. This wasn't just a one-time thing, and boom, the sacrifice didn't get accepted and he got mad. This was building over time. He didn't start at where he ended. But he didn't look at it. He didn't give it to God. He didn't talk to anybody. He didn't share it. He probably didn't even admit to himself how he felt. And so it built and it boiled and it hurt other people. We start out by looking the part. We're taught to look the part even when we don't feel it. Now, I'm not saying that the next time you go to Walmart, that if somebody's like, hey, how you doing? Instead of saying, you know, the customary, I'm okay, stop and be like, well, let me tell you everything that's happened. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you know who is in your life that will listen. And if you don't pray about that, about who is in your life, who can be in your life, who is in the church, who will listen and share that. Because when we let those things fester, when we hold on to that, I'm not saying that you're going to murder somebody. But Jesus said... That holding anger in your heart over someone is the same as murdering. And so while I hope if I said how many people in here have murdered someone, nobody would raise their hand. If I said how many of you have murdered someone in your heart, there's a chance all of us would. And we carry that and it builds up and it festers, like I said, and it boils over and, and it becomes just pretending that we're okay. It becomes pretending that everything's going fine. It becomes pretending. And eventually that explodes in one way or the other. And it's not just us that gets hurt. It's our witness. It's other people. And we see this tragic scenario where so many times Cain had this chance to take the offering. And just share something of himself. And maybe this stops. Going to the next verse. One day, 
Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian or am I my brother's keeper, as most of us know? Uh, But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer in the earth. So maybe he didn't think about it for long, but it was still premeditated. He knew going into this what he was going to do. Now, maybe he convinced himself, like, I just want to talk, and then anger took hold. But regardless, he had an idea of what he was going to do. So often, because we know that there is forgiveness, because we know that God will forgive us everything, we go into a situation secretly intending to do something we're going to regret. Thinking to ourselves, you know what, I'll just get forgiven later. Now, if we go to him with a full heart and we go to him with true sorrow, then absolutely he will forgive us. But if we live our lives thinking, well, I'll just wait to be forgiven. I'll just do this first. I'll do what I want first. I'll act how I want first. I'll say what I want first. I'll post what I want first. I'll tweet what I want first. I'll TikTok what I want first. It's not that he won't forgive us. It's that eventually our hearts will have hardened so much we don't ask. We'll become somebody different, which is what happened with Cain. I would imagine that if you talked to him before this, he never thought this would happen. He always thought he'd stop before. He always thought it would be different. He always thought it'd get fixed. But in this action, in this action, two sons were lost. And they say, there's a quote, and I don't know if I'll get it right, but we'll see, uh, that if you go seeking revenge, you might as well take a shovel to dig two graves. One for them and one for you. And that's what Cain did. He went and he let his anger out and he hurt someone else. He killed someone else. And then his parents lost both sons. We all know the am I my brother's keeper line. Like we've all heard that. Some of us have said it, you know, jokingly or or ironically or whatever, but we've all heard this and it's important. But even more important is after the murder, after this awful thing has happened, the worst thing that has happened to this point, God still opened a door for him. He could have come in there, guns blazing, because he knew what happened. He knew what was going to happen. He's God. And he could have said, hey, you're done. You're done. You're going to go and change. You're going to do this, whatever. You're, You're done. You're going to pay for this with your life. But what he did was ask him. God knew the answer to his question. So often he knows the answer. Oh, he always knows the answers to his question. But so often he asks us these questions. And he gave Cain this opportunity to admit it. He gave Cain this opportunity to own up. He gave Cain this opportunity to seek forgiveness. And there still would have been consequences. There still would have been consequences. But he still gives him a chance. Now Cain, he may have been thinking, 
It'd be easier if it were just me. My sacrifice didn't get accepted and I have all these feelings. If it were just me, it'd be okay. If it were just me, I, I, I wouldn't feel this stuff. If it were just me, I wouldn't have any temptation. And how often have we thought that, said that? Well, blank would be so easy if it were just me involved. Or man, if it were just me in this Walmart, and I don't know why I'm hitting Walmart today. If it were just me in this Walmart, the line would be much shorter, obviously. And there'd be enough toilet paper. Or milk, or whatever you buy. If it were just me on this road, people would be driving in the right lane. If it were just me in this church, they say, they say that if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. I could avoid temptation if not for so-and-so, if not for what and what, if not for other people. I got a quote from Anne Frank. And finally, I twist my heart around again so that the bad is on the outside and the good is on the inside and keep on trying to find a way of becoming what I would so like to be and could be if there weren't any other people living in the world. Now let me explain this quote because on the surface it looks like she's being bad to other people. That's not what she's saying. She's saying that when she feels all of that bad, that anger, that, that hatred, that resentment, she tries to push it out. Not give it to other people, but send it out of herself. And then she tries to act like she would if there were no one else in the world. Now, her life, and I'm sure you know this, for the last two years of her life, three years of her life, she was stuck in a pretty small space with two full families and a dentist. Now, I don't know if you've ever been stuck with a dentist, but I would imagine it's not a lot of fun. No offense if any of you are dentists. But she's stuck in that space. And she's struggling because she's becoming a teenager. And she's becoming a person. And everything is there. And she can't get away. She can't go out and read the paper or go out to Starbucks or go out and do anything. She's stuck there. And so everything she feels, she feels all the time. And everything everybody else feels, they feel all the time. In fact, her dad, who survived them all, uh, he almost didn't publish the diary. And in fact, he had some changes, and now it's been unchanged. Uh, because she had a lot of struggles with her mom. Because she's a teenage girl. But all of that was magnified because of this small space, because of this compressed time. And so she felt all of this. And this quote is on the wall at the museum, which is what we call the Children's Museum. We being me and Beatrice. Uh, and I see it every time I go in there. And so I'm forced to look at that every time I go in there. And I think about it every time I go in there. Now, we don't want to get to the point where we're like, well, this person goes through this, and so that's, I don't, none of my problems matter. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not true. Because if your problems our problems, if you struggle, if you feel something, then you feel it, it's real. But I think about what it must have been like 
in that situation. And how she tried to live as if nobody else was there. Not in a selfish way, not in an angry way, but in a way where, where what would she do if nobody else was taking away her joy? And so her sins, her anger, everything that she felt that was negative, she pushes it out, tries to. Trying to be who she could be. Trying to be who she should be. Now, there will never be no people. And if you've ever seen the Twilight Zone, you don't want there to be no people. No Twilight Zone crowd, that's fine. I am legend, maybe? Okay. It's fine. It's good. But we can live as if there are. Now, I am not saying to be selfish. I'm not saying to be angry. I'm not saying that kind of live as if there are no people. I'm saying live like Jesus completely, as if no people are taking that away from us. As if no people are making us angry, if no people are frustrating us. Live like that's not happening. Not ignore those feelings. But share them, pray about them, and take them for strength. Learn from them, grow, and do better. We can live like that if we try. It's a new year. It's a new time. It was hard for Anne. Like I said, she had mother issues. She had this small space. She was a teenager. But she tried. It was hard for Cain. He didn't really try. Those are the two paths. Try or don't try. It is hard for us sometimes. It is hard for us sometimes. It's hard for us to share. It's hard for us to be open. It's hard for us to feel. It's hard for us to admit that we're not perfect. But we try. We try to live as if we are like Jesus because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. That's what he did. Going to the last part of the scripture. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark of Cain on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So it's not about the punishment. But what's interesting about the punishment is that it added on to what he punished Adam and Eve with. It had added on. So for Adam and Eve, uh, he, he said it's going to be hard bringing food from the ground. For Cain, he said it's going to be impossible. For Adam and Eve, he said, you're out of the garden. For Cain, he said, you're out of everywhere. So why did he double it? Because... Because Cain had the example of Adam. You see, Adam had nobody else before him. He knew what he did was wrong, but he had nobody else before him. And so there were consequences. But Cain had the example of those who came before. Do you know? You may not know this. There have been several people between Cain and here. So we have had lots of examples on how to be better, including the greatest example. More than that, 
Can we, I don't want to mess up the, the PowerPoint, but can we put the scripture that I just read back up real quick? Um, let's pretend that we did. Okay. So, uh, there we go. Okay. No, the scripture. Sorry. Ignore that quote. You don't see it yet. So this is the scripture. I want you to look through this. There's not going to be a test. I'm not going to have you write a paper, probably. But if you look at this scripture, we see that Cain was upset about the punishment. I think all of us would be upset about the punishment. We've all whined about something that happened to us, even if we deserved it. We've all felt that. But there's something missing there. It's about my punishment, anyone who finds me. There's no, I'm sorry. There's no, I did this. There's not even a token, pretend explanation. There's nothing. His brother is dead. Something he knows is wrong because he tried to hide it. And God comes to him and gives him this chance. And he doesn't even pretend to apologize. He doesn't say anything about it. He just looks at how it affects him. He looks at who, what, how it, his life is going to be harder now. I've said this before, but when we're driving our cars, let's just say on 75, if you're able to drive on 75, because there's a lot of construction, but you're driving and the person in front of you, they're slowing you down. So they're an idiot. And you know, you finally get past them and then somebody comes speeding up behind you. Well, that person's a moron. Because that's how we look at life sometimes. It's like, this person, it's their fault. That person, it's their fault. We gotta look at ourselves. We gotta look at who we are. We've gotta look at our own choices. We've gotta look at our own lives. Our society is filled with this. And we see it especially from our political leaders. I hesitate to say leaders, but we see it especially from politics. Hopefully you don't have to see a lot of political ads, but if you do, they are very much, this is why this person is bad. This is why this person's wrong for you. This is why this person did this. And it's never, this is what I can do. It's never, this is who I am. When somebody messes up publicly, we see, well, somebody hacked my Twitter. Or we see, well, this was because of this. This was the reason. This was why. Very rarely do we see, I'm sorry. Think about the last time you heard any politician say, I was wrong. Think about the last time you said it. Because we're taught not to say it. We're taught not to feel it. But it's so important to not do that, even though we surround ourselves with it. Sometimes we hold on to that, even knowing it's wrong. I have the last quote. You may succeed in making another feel guilty about something by blaming him, but you won't succeed in changing whatever it is about you that is making you unhappy. So sometimes other people deserve the blame. Sometimes we're hurt by other people. 
Sometimes other people have done awful things or, or, or done something that truly caused us to stumble, caused us to be hurt, caused us to do something that we regret. And so you can blame them. You can blame them and you can make other people feel bad about it. And sometimes, like I said, even rightfully. But even if somebody else is to blame, our choices are our own. We have free will. And what we do is what we do. What we say is what we say. What we think is what we think. What we feel is what we feel. It's always going to be on us. That's not to say that nobody else should ever have blame. It's not to say nobody else should ever have consequences. But we always have to look at ourselves. We always have to look at our hearts. We always have to look at how we could be better. Because we can't change anybody else. We'll never be able to change anybody else. But we can look at ourselves. And our hearts can change. Because Cain did the absolute worst thing imaginable. And God still gave him opportunity after opportunity to change. Now Cain didn't. But that shows who God is. That same God sees our lives. And he knows our hearts and he knows our minds and he knows what we've done and he knows what we will do. And yet, he still loves us completely and unconditionally. And he still opens that door for us. All we have to do, all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, this was on me. Yes, Lord. I can do better. Yes, Lord, I will do better. I promise I will try. And then we try. The world is hard. And nobody is going to make it easier for us. Nobody. But we have a God who is so filled with grace that he gave a murderer the opportunity to fix himself. We have a God who's seen everything we've ever done. But just looks at us with love. And so we must take that. And hold on to that. And do better. Not just today. Not just when we're in church. Not just when we feel good. Not just when things are going our way. But every day. You're not going to be perfect. Let me take that worry away from you. But you serve a God who is. A God who will be your constant strength, your constant guide, your constant hope, your constant love. And so we can go out into the world together, holding that tight and showing it to everyone else we meet. That's all I got.